yeah. it, it's pretty clear, like what we're doing. I actually listened to the episode of Adam. It was just a random pick. I was like, oh, and it was Adam. I was like, oh. Oh, I loaded that up like 12 hours ago. <laughs> that's the that's the brand new episode. So oh, yeah. that's the one I heard. I was like, oh, it's Adam. That's cool. How's your job going? So I finally told my supervisor today that I'm quitting in December. Yay. And I told her it's nothing against her or whatever. I gave up on myself once already when I decided to quit the route to medical school. I'm not, I can't do it again. So nice. I'm going private practice in December. Good for you. I'm so happy for you. That's great. Thanks. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm scared, but I got to give it a try. And I really love comedy and I want the liberty to not feel like I have to be chained to a desk so I can see my patients online. I can see them in the community and make time to make the the connections I need with people so I can do more shows. You only get one life. You only get one chance. (laughs) You got to make the most of it while you can. Um, So that's part of the reason I committed myself to 14 years of doing Star Trek podcasts. It's good though. I, I enjoyed it. I was like, this is funny. And I love the Klingon word of the day. So I was like, oh, this is great. I always want to oh. learn Klingon. Well, it's fun because like I have the dictionary. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, unless you have any questions about anything. No, let's rock and roll it. I'm excited. Sweet. This is going to be fun. Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is odd. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beat me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. and welcome to the computer resume podcast the show covering the entire star trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old i'm your host writer comedian mr todd a davis ladies and gentlemen i present the other woman in my life that makes sure i don't say stupid things (laughs) it's queen momo yeah hey queen momo how you doing good good thank you for having me on this Oh, I'm so excited. And it's so good to see you too. Uh, I haven't been doing, I, uh, I got the, I got the COVID back in December and hadn't done comedy since. So, uh, I've been missing everybody. I've been seeing them here as they come on the show, but it's good to see you. Same here. I caught the COVID when you caught the COVID. That's right. Yeah. We got it. Well, we, we got it together. didn't? (laughs) We locked arms and skipped right into COVID. At a show, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was. How was your? Uh, how were? How were your symptoms? Did you? Uh, did you bounce back like two, three weeks, like everybody else? No, um, actually, um, I'm a long hauler. Really? Okay. Well, I won't. I won't press you for medical details, but I'm glad. It looks like you're feeling better. Are you feeling feeling better? I have days. I I have learned that I have to choose days to just rest in order to you know, preventative care. So of course, of course. Yeah. And neither one of us are getting any younger. 
that part. <laughs> oh, that's great. Now, before we dive right in, you are, first of all, one of my favorite people. And part of that is because of your love for comedy, of course, but also for your love of all things nerdy. Like you're part of the comic book club. Yes, I miss that. Oh, I, I, I really do. I miss our Thursdays. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? Uh, what are you super nerdy about right now? Like, what's your nerdy vein that you're currently tapping? Well, um, it's always there. I, I am obsessed with ElfQuest. Oh, fun! I, I love ElfQuest, and right now they have a Kickstarter for an audio movie, and it's going to be fantastic. Oh, cool! Nice. Very, very cool. Is it one of those things where? Um, are they offering like speaking roles and stuff like that? Can you? No, they kind of have an idea. They already got their idea of what, where they're going and they already have their actors for the most part, which is fine. So oh. that's cool. But I am so stoked. I'm, I'm excited to finally be able to hear what they think would be a great voice for all the characters, especially oh. Lisa and Cutter. I'm so excited. Nice. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, I mean, as you know, I'm a big fan of Batman. So whenever DC releases a new animated feature and they've got somebody else playing Batman, I always stack them up next to Kevin Conroy and, uh, well, gosh, uh, Adam West. And uh, here more recently, Bruce Greenwood, uh, he, he played Batman on Under the Red Hood, and he is also Captain Pike in the Kelvin timeline. So it was a nice, fun little Batman Star Trek crossover. He's got a great voice. And it's perfect for Batman. But yeah, everybody else kind of gets measured up next to those guys. So yeah, that's fun. You told me you went back and watched, like I for the listeners who don't know, when I book a guest, I usually end up sending them the episode that we're going to be covering, but I'll usually send a short, like essential viewing in case they want to view a little bit more and have a little bit of a background. Because I certainly don't expect everybody to go watch everything before they come on the show. That would be ridiculous. But you said you went back and watched almost everything. Is that right? Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, well done. Well done. I'm, I'm very proud of you and so very happy. <laughs> most, of my, most of my close friends who have come on, the, very close friends of mine have not dared watch everything so far. <laughs> because like I didn't want to get lost on who you know character development is important for me because I went back and was able to watch a lot of the beginning I ain't gonna lie I skipped some because I was you know procrastinating and I watched Saw instead of watching all of them the <laughs> so, wife and I are fixing to catch up on the Saw movies too so <laughs> oh I felt I had never watched Saw either so I was like this is great yeah oh. I know oh so I that's, that's gonna be a Saw. discussion after the episode <laughs> So, yeah, but I'm glad I did because um, I was able to try to get a better appreciation for the later episodes. So, yeah. Nice. Now, were you familiar with Star Trek at all? I mean, we're roughly about the same age, I think. Mm -hmm. You're mid-30s, pushing 40? Um, I'll be 39 this year. I'm two years behind you. So, yeah. So, I imagine you're probably a next-gen kid, if anything. Mm -hmm. Next-gen but my dad had me watch the original Star Trek. So like I went to the movie theater and watched the one with Big Whale. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, that's cool. Do you have an earliest Star Trek memory? Like how old were you when your dad introduced you to the original series? Do you recall? Oh, God. I little, little. Wow. So I, I grew up watching Star Trek 
and Star Wars, but I grew up watching Star Trek. So when I branched away from the original Star Trek, it's because I wanted to watch Generations. Of course. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Who doesn't love Picard? Yeah, who doesn't love Picard? And I think, uh, I imagine for most heterosexual men, I would say, I think Deanna Troy is kind of a, a gauge of like, hey, you're young, but how do you feel about this? <laughs> was, was there someone, was there someone on the original crew or the next gen crew that was kind of like, did that for you? Mm, not really. Cause you know, when I think about it, as a kid, I wasn't really, I was more along the lines of how cool would it be if I could have something that just scans everything and I want to talk into my wrist. And then I grew up and I'm like, wow, smart watches. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. I love all the technology from Star Trek, but I also kind of like love that old school flair to it. So I'm also a Dick Tracy fan. Every time I speak into my watch, I always want to be like calling Dick Tracy, calling Dick Tracy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since you're all caught up on everything, let's get into this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Wednesday, UPM presents a two-hour Enterprise event. Give us the Vulcan first. Let's give them a run for their money. A secret mission puts the crew to the ultimate test. Warp 5. We've got to slow down, Captain. No! Then they were warned not to interfere with alien cultures. I need your help. Zabral and his men are terrorists. They should have listened. You'll never see your captain or engineer again. Enterprise. Enterprise is ordered to retrieve a Vulcan ambassador in need of extradition and deliver her to the Vulcan cruiser Shuran. Arriving at the planet, Mazar, Archer and T'Pol are surprised to hear the ambassador has been expelled for abuse of her position. A Maserite Karen asks to speak to the manager. Archer stalls for time to contact Starfleet, but the Maserite ship opens fire. Enterprise disables the ship and escapes. Valar ain't talking. Archer then orders Travis to pull a 180 back to Mazar. To Paul's like, come on. And Archer's like, all right. But then Enterprise gets attacked by three Maserite ships. They can't outfight them, can't outrun them. Valar suddenly confesses that this is all to discredit her as a witness against corrupt officials and offers to surrender herself for the safety of the crew. I can be your hero, baby. But Archer's like, nah, we ride or die. And the crew's like, uh. Archer pulls a switcheroo with the ambassador in sickbay, and Karen gets egg on his face. Then, you see, I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. It felt good to be out of the rain. Enterprise helps a ship experiencing engine problems. Its pilot, Zobral, invites Archer and Trip to his home planet for dinner and party games. Meanwhile, on Enterprise, T'Pol learns that Zorbal and his men are terrorists, and that Archer and Trip will probably be killed. <laughs> The brawl begs for Archer's assistance and use of Enterprise's resources to defeat his people's oppressors and tell him he's a big fan of the show, especially season one, episode 21, Detained. Archer's like, those were mostly stunt guys. I was at the craft services table most of the time or hanging out with Dean Stockwell. <gasps> the planet's government starts bombing the village. Archer and Trip leave on foot, heading east across the desert to a deserted building where they take shelter from the heat. Trip gets all loopy like, beavers and ducks. Enterprise is stuck, and the planet's government informs T'Pol that any space bus entering the area will be shot down. 
So Brawl rendezvous with Enterprise and is eventually persuaded to help T'Pol and Reed sneak a space bus past the planet's defenses and rescue Archer and Trip. Ferris Bueller, you're my hero. Aboard Enterprise, Zabral prepares to leave, and Archer explains, I'm not even supposed to be here today! Was this your first experience with Enterprise? Had had you watched any of Enterprise before preparing for to come on the show today? I heard of Enterprise, and <laughs> one of my friends was like, you gotta watch it. And I sat down one day, and honestly, I heard the theme song, and I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm done. <laughs> um, but when you asked me to get on this podcast, I was like, oh crap, I gotta watch it. <laughs> uh, well, it's been it's I've seen with a few folks that they end up hearing it a few times and it actually kind of gets in, it kind of burrows in underneath, and after a while you're like, this song's kind of dope. <laughs> now you basically binged the first season. Did, yeah. Are you are you coming around on the theme song or is it still super annoying? No, thank God for technology. You can skip the intro. <laughs> I don't know if I can make it if I can skip this. Oh, wow. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. So let me ask you, uh, in relating to the first episode, you, I'll put this out on Front Street, you work at Comedy Zone. Mm-hmm. So you get to see a lot of celebrity comedians come through uh, come through town. Greenville's kind of a hot spot. So most, I think, most folks on tour end up swinging through Greenville. Have uh, any of uh, have any of your comedy heroes disappointed you? Mm. Let me say, let me let me take that again. Are you willing to say if any of your comedy heroes have disappointed you? To be honest with you, no, they haven't. Really, um, one of my um, biggest comedy heroes was uh, Russell Peters, who came through, and. That usually I just treat everybody like they're human. I'm like, you're human, you're human, whatever. But for him, like, I was like starstruck and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And he was awesome. Oh, and the other one, DL Hughley, when he came through, nice. He's amazing. I love his dog more. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) to be fair, dogs are much better than people. (laughs) Yes, I love Charlie. But um, he was so humble and you could walk with him on the street and it was, it was great. So they haven't disappointed me at all. Oh, that's great. That's good to hear. And it's good to hear that both Russell and uh, DL are really nice people. <laughs> you really are. I, I really did enjoy working with them. I, uh, I had the pleasure of meeting um, Louis Black when I was living down in Florida and um, I worked, sec- I, he was playing a college that I was working at and I got to work security for him and super nice guy i actually saw him again at a performance back here in greenville and got him to sign uh he did a voice on harvey birdman attorney at law one of the adult swim shows on cartoon network and i love that show and i brought the dvd set and and you know had him sign it and Susie got it in his hands like wow so he ended up wow lewis black and i was like yay (laughs) oh Um, awesome yeah, yeah, and I, I think there's been a few other times where I've gotten to meet some folks. There's, I think the folks that I've met, and I won't put their name out there, but I think I've mentioned it once before. There was a a comic book creator that I really enjoyed their work, and so did my wife. Which is, you know, for my wife to be super into it, she's getting into comics more and more. But at the time, she was still kind of like, eh, I don't know about this comic book thing. 
But then we met, we met this one creator and they were an absolute jerk to us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you who off, off, uh, off mic, but it was so disappointing. It was just like, really? I just brokenhearted. And we took their book, arguably their seminal work, you know, the work that made them famous to get them to sign it. And after our interaction at the table, I left it at the table and just walked away. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, well, you've lost at least two fans today. <laughs> That's so disappointing when it, everybody has bad days I, between your profession, my profession, and just being around creative types. We know it's real easy to have. It's real easy to have a bad day, but I think it's, just as easy to just be civil and pleasant to people. Even if you're having a bad day, just say, Hey, look, I'm not having the best day today and, and put it on front street. And you'll find most, most, I would think most of the time people would be sympathetic. Yeah. And you, yeah, definitely. Especially like, like you said, we all do. And I, I'll even tell people when I'm having a bad day and I'm like calling a call center. I was like, look, you're just getting the brunt of my up, being upset right now. It's not you, honey. It's the system that you work for. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've fielded my fair share of calls uh, at the firm and other professions where people are just, yeah. they don't, they don't call us when they're having a good day. <laughs> So yeah. you just kind of have to grit your teeth and take a deep breath, brace for it, and then just work your way through it, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes. As a matter of fact, uh, before our, one of our previous governor, what was her name? Um, oh. uh, Nikki Haley. Yes. So she, yeah. she put this saying in place for state employees. It's a great day in South Carolina. So yeah, that's how we grit and bear it. It's a uh, great day in South Carolina. Great day in South Carolina. <laughs> well, as I as I end up giving our clients the rundown on their case, you know, when they first come to us and I end up explaining us some of the legal process, I get blank stares and deer in the headlights. And I always have to throw my hands up and be like, welcome to South Carolina. Because <laughs> it doesn't always make sense. <laughs> that part. Like when you're trying to get from one store to another, but there's no way to get to the other one unless you get on the busy street and like, yeah. <laughs> ah, why can't every parking lot in the world just connect to every other parking lot? <laughs> that part. <laughs> like, no, you can't cross my property. <laughs> so uh, with the second episode, what experience have you had, if any, with, have you ever been lost in the desert? <laughs> so... That episode really kind of resonated with me on so many levels. Okay. Because I thought about it, like that whole being lost in the wilderness and mm. like being accused of being a terrorist when actually you're trying to fight oppression. I'm like, I'm black. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah that part. <laughs> we just want, you know, like, like, for example, there was a scene where, he was showing Archer like these clothes that they mm -hmm. used to wear. And they were saying, well, they told us we were free and we didn't have to wear these any things anymore. But then they created all these laws to keep them, you know, in bondage. I was like, hey, I completely understand that. Sounds, fam <laughs> sounds familiar. <laughs> A little close to home. But then, of course, you know, you have other things where you have these beautiful moments when you saw the guys with the shirts off and they were all sweaty trying to play a sport that looked like lacrosse. It was wonderful. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I can't say I really, I, although I ended up <laughs> typical guy watching sports. I kind of end up like being like, Oh, he should have passed right there. He <laughs> I end up just critiquing the technique. <laughs> I there's one instance of it uh, from my life that I'll share here in 1996, I was, hip deep in martial arts and it was time for world championships out in Las Vegas. And my parents wouldn't have done this under any other circumstances, but they're like, yep, we're going to Vegas. My very conservative religious parents, let's go to Vegas. Okay. So we saw the sites and everything. And at the time, if you weren't there to gamble, Vegas was a super cheap vacation. So in our time there, we went to is it Hoover Dam? Yeah, we went to Hoover Dam and then, which is, you know, well outside the city. And then uh, we, you know, because it's beautiful out there, we all got out of the car and dad, you know, we're driving a rental car and dad thought, you know what, I'll leave the engine running. And that way the AC can keep running and keep the car cool. We'll take some pictures real quick, hop back in the car and it'll be nice and cool. So we take some pictures and we even have our one of those old VHS camcorders that <laughs> had to mount to your shoulder. So we're, you know, we film a little bit and take some pictures. And as the video starts to fade out, you hear my mom go, Walt. And then the video cuts off. What happened after that was because dad had left the engine running, the doors locked. So we were on the side of the road, somewhere between Hoover Dam and Vegas in the middle of the desert. And the sun was directly above us, completely locked out of our car. <laughs> and of course, everybody driving that route is usually going from either somewhere in Arizona to Vegas or somewhere in California to Vegas. They're not stopping for anything or anybody. So we got we we were trying to flag down every, any car and all of them would just kind of drive by and look and point, sort of chuckle to themselves and keep on driving. I can't blame them. I, I don't know that I would stop either, but uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Eventually we got a tow truck to stop. I mean, my dad's a Vietnam vet. Like he's not going to let a lot stand in his way. He ended up picking up a rock and just thinking it's a rental car. Bam. And he hit that back window and didn't even chip the glass. <laughs> oh my gosh. He tried three or four more times. Not, it, it, as hard as he hit it, it kept bouncing off. <laughs> Oh my God. But eventually we, uh, we got to a ranger station. They were able to call a tow truck and, oh gosh, Vegas heat. It was a dry heat. <laughs> yeah. All of our water, all of our sunscreen, all of our hats. Cause we got out to take pictures. It was all locked in the car with the engine running. And like, oh man. <laughs> oh my God. Did y'all get sunburned? Oh yeah. Plenty. Oh. Of, my father who's bald. Yeah, ch completely oh charred God. his head. <laughs> but he, literally buzzer, buzzards were circling. <laughs> oh my goodness. And again, because the sun was straight up, there was no shade anywhere. Like that was like, okay, maybe I'll sit up against the car in the in the shadow. There was no shadow. <laughs> oh my God. So that, yeah. That high noon, huh? High noon. Absolutely. Yeah, right in the middle of the day. Because I mean who go who would go to Hoover Dam in the evening and even if we left early in the morning by the time we get there it's close to lunchtime <laughs> oh gosh yeah this uh 
yeah, th- these two, these two are good episodes, but they, uh, they kind of ring back to some of the earlier stuff. And I feel like the way Zorbal puts this air of like, we see that the story of Archer has kind of progressed a little bit and his, his reputation precedes him. Has someone heard about you and been like, oh, I don't know that that has to have happened in comedy. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of comedians have the reputation of all oh, their standoffish and weird and, you know, it's, you know, they're fun while they're on stage, but once they, you know, once they're done, they're all a bunch of nutcases. <laughs> Has any of that gotten back to you? No, actually, no, not really. Um, I sometimes, I think I'm hard on myself, but uh, I use a lot of my professional day job stuff with comedy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all about human behavior, but I know people are going to say what they're going to say, but it hasn't gotten back to me. So if anybody has anything bad to say, they've kept it to themselves. (laughs) Even with poetry, it hasn't come back to me. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, I, is the vibe between so for folks you do uh, slam poetry? How is the vibe different between poetry and stand-up comedy? Or do they, you know, because everybody thinks comedy and they think stand-up and improv are practically twins when it could not be farther from the truth. <laughs> exactly, like no, I, I can't do improv. <laughs> <laughs> no. The improv crowd is not the stand-up crowd. No, it is not. It is not at all. But how, a how different culture. Right, right. But how do how do poetry and stand-up stack up next to each other? Way different. Um, so spoken word poetry is actually different than the type of poetry I started with. I started oh. with written poetry. So I would just write and then read my poems. But spoken word is a show. It's animated. It's you get to tell a story in, in almost any format that you can think of. So it's like for the everyday man, the creator of spoken word wanted the everyday man to be able to have a platform to speak. And a lot of the spoken word is about heartache and tears and sad stuff. So yeah, lots of sad stuff. Oh yeah. So there's a there are some poets though that actually have some really funny spoken word poems, and I think it's great. So I was like, yay, we can still have a good time and not (laughs) sad. I, my hat's off to poets and singer songwriters who who can elicit emotion and not just sing a oh, here's another ditty, you know, but the folks that can do it and get you to laugh or get you to think or get you to cry. I have my utmost respect. I, I spoke with Adam Schulte last week about the connection between music and comedy. It seems like there's a mutual respect between musicians and comedians. Everybody, each group feels like they could never do what the other one does. <laughs> but it's so funny to hear that poetry and stand-up, which on paper you'd think, gosh, they, it's usually one person up there telling a story to elicit an emotional response from the audience. I just described both and you would think that that would be uh, that they would just go hand in hand, but it's interesting to hear that that's not the case. I, uh, so my peers in spoken word and poetry world think that they could like, you know, like you said, they can't be comedy things like that. But I'm like, the thing is for me is that doing poetry bears my soul. Mm. And that is very, very hard to be that vulnerable. So, yeah. and that's why, and I, and I was, you know, in jest and things like that, I was talking about being sad, but these are people that are bearing their soul. They, it's like, it's like standing on stage naked. 
and everybody gets to read through your journal. And that's what it feels like for me. But when I do comedy, it's like I get to connect with the audience and we can go through this experience together and poke fun at it. So I'm not burying my soul. I get to hide behind a smile. I get, I get to put a, a different type of mask on. Whereas for poetry, I'm taking it all off. And um, as a matter of fact, when I started doing poetry, my left side of my face used to shake. Really? I don't know that I knew this. Yep. So I would get so anxious to where my whole left side of my face would shake. Just like a nervous tick or was it just while you're on stage or? Just while I was on stage. And because wow. it was that being that vulnerable. And sharing a piece of my soul to people I don't know. And they're all just staring and watching. And it's dead silent. <laughs> like in comedy, we're looking for the laugh. Or, you know, we get to interact. We get to talk to the audience a little bit. You know, do crowd work. That's the thing. You don't do that in poetry. It's just, you're there. <laughs> yep. Here's the piece. <laughs> Think of it and me what you will. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 tough. That's real tough. Because I mean, both are healing. If you think about it. Yeah. I, yeah. You I think never so. know who you touch. That's very true. I wonder if the approach in terms of comedy, if people approach it more as technicians and are able to disconnect the emotional part, maybe the emotion is, and that those creative juices are in the writing and crafting, and maybe even comes out a little bit in open mics. But when it comes time to, you know, for a showcase or paid show or whatever it is, they're able to set that aside to perform a refined bit so mm -hmm. that it comes across smoother, if I can say that. I mean, it, we're, we're kind of getting into the weeds of, you know, the technical side of comedy here, but like, this is the stuff I find really fascinating. And then for technicians, I look at, especially folks just starting comedy, it seems like the observational method ends up working better for new comics because it's, pr it's a pretty straightforward formula. Mm -hmm. um, but then you look at some folks, some alternative comics, and I'll just, as a, you know, just because he's very famous and people know who he is, Zach Galifianakis. If you watch, he's not just doing standup. It's all in the guise of standup. He's doing character work and, telling a story and interacting with the audience, but you can see there's some times where he'll cut loose a little bit and throw some, he'll throw some anger, some angry energy out, but because of how he's doing it, it's like throwing a baseball. You can throw a baseball or you could throw a curve or you could throw a slider. And that's kind of what he does with that angry energy so that it doesn't hit like angry energy. It hits funny. And uh, Maria Bamford, who has gone through an immense amount of trauma in her life, but has turned it all around. She's one of my, she's one of my uh, comedy heroes that I look up to in terms of the creative process and just the overcoming the odds to do that sort of thing. What are your thoughts? No, I, I, I think you're right. Like I, I remember when I first was suggested to even do comedy, I was like, I'm a poet. What are you talking about? Um, but I, I sat for months and just watched and wrote notes. So you're right. Observation, um, that type of thing. And then like when you actually get down to write intentionally to make something funny, yeah. like that's hard work, like to intentionally turn something into funny. And then it's like 
your neurons in your brain and stuff start shifting too. Cause then you start looking for funny things everywhere you go. Cause you're like, Oh, I need material. And it's like, it's a, it's an amazing journey. <laughs> it's almost like the brain never goes off. It's like, we're always working. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. And we find the humor in ev- anything and everything before we started recording, I was at, uh, I was at the grocery store and walked past a table of packs of hand wipes and something about it. We'll go into the detail later <laughs> off mic, but uh, I pulled out my cell phone and snapped a picture of it. I was just like, I have to remember this. <laughs> I didn't have my notebook or anything with me, but I was like, I can write a joke about this. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I so get it. And, and that's the thing. There is humor in everything. Everything. Life is funny. Yeah. Life's real funny. And it's, you know, hearing, hearing people's personal journeys. Uh, I know you've talked about uh, dating and relationships with your parents and uh, dealing with children and your work. Uh, I've spoken about my father, the Vietnam veteran insecurities that I have about uh, my brother's intellect levels versus me, the comic book writer and, and comedian, um, you know, dealing with my wife and dealing with my dog and dealing with work. You know, it's a lot of, I think a lot of new comics end up pouring so much of themselves off the bat. And it's hard. I think once you get through a lot of that material, if you haven't grown, you're going to run out of stuff to talk about that part, mm-hmm. that part. They all say like, pick up the newspaper, go for a walk outside, like travel somewhere, see something, <laughs> talk to people, experience things, <laughs> experience things. You can't talk about things you haven't done. <laughs> Thus, that's why I had to date some more because I was like, I'm running out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> which, got, which has to make for great first date dinner conversation of just, oh, oh my, you're just, you're just fodder for my comedy. We're just going to oh get. Through this. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> for folks listening, um, Momo and I have uh, workshopped some things on, uh, on a couple different jokes and she's worked, worked bits with me and I've worked bits with her that I was like, is this funny? I don't even know. I've crafted it. It should work on paper. It does, but (laughs) let me see, (laughs) find somebody you can find somebody you can workshop with and, you know, use that creative side of that brain (laughs) because between my creative half of my brain and your creative half of your brain, that equals at least one brain. (laughs) (laughs) Iron sharpers iron. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Well, let's get into some of the uh, stats for these two episodes that aired as part of a two-parter. Well, it wasn't a two-parter. It was just kind of like a, they doubled up on May 8th, 2002 and put these episodes out back to back. I'm not sure why they don't really connect. Oh, they do. Well, I mean, they kind of do. No, they mentioned like in the um, episode with the Vulcan about needing a break and then when you go into the next episode they're on the way to go take a break and they got that's that's true that's true yeah you're absolutely right yeah they tried they've been trying to get to risa for for months (laughs) now (laughs) but archer keeps having it was like all right here we go on our way to risa oh wait hey there's a civilization we can go (laughs) up let's go let's go do that (laughs) but rest easy folks they do make it to Riza eventually. 
in the not too distant future, actually. But yeah, these these two episodes, they did. Uh, yeah. In Desert Crossing, they did reference Detained, which was season one, episode 21, uh, where Archer and Travis Mayweather are trapped in the internment camp. But yeah, these these two episodes are interesting. First up is Fallen Hero, which was written by Berman and Braga. Chris Black also worked on the story with those guys. And then the teleplay was penned by Alan Cross. And this episode was directed by Patrick Norris. The guest stars, we've got Mr. John Rubenstein, who was the Maserite captain. Uh, he actually previously appeared on Voyager. He's got a real extensive resume, a lot of character work. And outside of the makeup, you'll instantly recognize him from many, many different things. And then we've got Fionula Flanagan as Ambassador Valar, who actually, I looked her up, turns 80 this December. So she's still out there. She's still doing her thing. Um, she was actually offered this role without having to audition. They just handed her, they called her up, handed her to this, uh, handed her the script, but she did appear previously on an episode of Next Gen, the episode Inheritance as Julia Sung, Data's mom. And then she appeared again on Deep Space Nine in the episode Dax. So she's not a stranger to the Star Trek world. And then for Desert Crossing, story was done by Berman and Braga and Andre Bormanis. We've seen him do some stuff as well. He also, Andre did the teleplay for this episode, which was directed by David Strayton. And the big name for this episode is Mr. Clancy Brown as Zobral. Momo, did you recognize Clancy Brown? <laughs> if you don't recognize the face, you probably almost certainly recognize the voice. I did recognize the voice. I didn't recognize the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got one of those really distinct voices. And honestly, between these two episodes, his is the resume that you want to fall down the rabbit hole on. This dude has been working, has been working for a long, long time. For me to even try to hit the highlights would be nothing but a disservice to the man. He's done a lot of stuff, film, television, animation, video games. But the one credit I will give out here is he is the Kurgan in Highlander from 1986. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's so much fun to watch and to, and to listen to gosh. And it's so funny to me as I was scrolling through his, uh, through his credits, like I said, the guy's got a super extensive resume, but this is his only appearance in the franchise. Dude's been working since the seventies, eighties and nothing else from Star Trek in this very extensive resume that is surprising i really hope he ends up coming back in discovery or uh, strange new world or do or you know they're about to do a prodigy hopefully he gets a voice on there but yeah that's that's really wild uh momo any parting thoughts about these two episodes did you enjoy this journey through star trek enterprise the first season 
Actually, yeah, it got I, it, it it got better <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, it gets better, people. <laughs> so as I got to these episodes, also too, like I watched this show called Archer. It's like my go-to. So nice. I just. You know, I have to get past the whole quantum leak thing. And then when I hear the name Archer, I just, I'm like, so what's he going to do now that I know Archer's now over an Enterprise ship? Like, is he going to drink <laughs> his way into the next millennia? Like, what's going to happen? Uh- Lana, <laughs> Lana, Lana! <laughs> so I think that's how I kind of got through some of it. Because I was like, this is hilarious to me now. <laughs> Gosh, I you know I'm a big fan of that show too, and I I completely forgot all about it. <laughs> that is funny though. Gosh, well, uh, like oh god, I can never pronounce her name. Is it Tapal? Tapal. Like, yes. So I always think of her as the Lana of the show. Oh, that's funny. Oh, internet, please, if you're listening. <laughs> go make those memes right now. <laughs> Oh yes, I, I have. Um, I'm. I'm looking forward to finishing out all of the things. Awesome. Well, if you've had fun, I would absolutely love to have you back anytime. Especially as you journey through, if you spot an episode and be like, "I want to go on. I've got something to say about this episode." Please let me know. <laughs> I will Definitely. have you back on in a second. <laughs> Well, folks, next week, we will be joined once again by Mrs. Ren Sims for our discussion of Enterprise Season 1, Episode 25, Two Days and Two Nights. That's the episode where they finally make it to Ryza. Uh, And of course, that episode is available on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and of course, on Paramount+. Plus. Momo, tell folks what you got going on. On the last Wednesday of the month, I get to host an all-women's open mic once a month so that is great so ladies who think you're funny come on down yep so that's pretty much what i got going on on this oh and oh i keep forgetting this saturday i have my very first competition in jujitsu <gasps> get out of town that's awesome yes, is it here excited. in town it's in spartanburg spartanburg nice nice please take lots of pictures i, I don't know that yeah, i'll be able to late. make it and support you but <laughs> And video of me tapping out. <laughs> you, you can't see it right now. And of course the audience can't see it. I am sitting on a huge ice pack because I threw my back out last week. At karate. Ah, <laughs> oh, the joys of getting old. <laughs> I know. I ask, know. Ask me how I did it. Wait, how? Throwing a sidekick. No, you didn't. Ask me, ask me, <laughs> ask me about the other guy. What about the other guy? Oh, there wasn't another guy. We were just walking up and down the floor doing drills. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. Yeah. In addition to my back being hurt, my pride is practically torn in half. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. It it really sucks when you're doing drills and you mess up. Oh, Oh my gosh. I messed up my neck so bad doing a a rolling drill once. And my chiropractor's like, what are you doing? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, to top... to top it all off, I was just kind of, it, that was a Thursday night and um, Friday morning, I was like, well, it's off schedule, but I'll go see my chiropractor and he'll work it out. My chiropractor was out of town, so I had to find someone else. The person I found was my master's son who has a chiropractic practice here in town. And of course, he's a, you know, a martial arts, uh, martial arts expert as well. 
and he uh he, he goes how'd you do it sidekick he's like say no more up on the table <laughs> and he just ring rung he rang me like a rag just <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> so yeah that's what i've been dealing with <laughs> i'm so sorry yeah you know what do you do so uh, exactly i sit on ice pop it out <laughs> yeah exactly and of course, where can people find and follow and uh, annoy you on the internet? Oh, please annoy me. I love haters. Um, <laughs> you know, and if you happen to be the Karen out there, then yes, come and just watch everything that I do so you can let somebody know. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, all truly Queen Momo. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in 10 forward. to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcast at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop. Our outro music was provided with permission by Drone Node. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn. And I'm Cat Davis at that.darn.cat with a K on Instagram. The Computer Resume Podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. Without further ado, the Klingon word of the day is... That's the wrong one. Yep, that's the wrong one. Where's... Ah, there it is. Let me fix that. Sorry. No, you're good. There it is. Hey, let me make sure everything else is correct. <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 good. All right, I think we're good otherwise. Hi. <laughs> you okay? All right, go on with mommy. Go on. Boy. Okay. <laughs> One more time with feeling. <clears throat> How's that for a slice of fried gold?